0: Just come for me.
1: Go. As someone who makes such a big deal about common courtesy, I'm a little taken aback, slash a lot taken aback, that you would take my patient, my patient, out of the hospital without my permission.
0: But back. Shut up. I... would Stop.
1: Of course, I could see it. I told you not to put him out there. Every decision I made concerning Will's mental health, I made under advisement of a respected psychiatrist who you recommended. Hannibal.
0: Where's Jack? In the pantry.
1: you look beautiful
0: I read well you never know who you're going to see on the other side
1: <laughs> I've lied to the people I love the most I've hurt them and I've lost them and in the last 24 years i've killed the 49 people
0: Welcome, welcome everyone to, to dead, dead talk live. Dead live i'm your host I'm viz, viz. And a, oh, Carol. do you we have an echo <laughs> i want to welcome our very special guest tonight carolyn Devernus, who we all know as dr alana bloom from hannibal also the star of mary kills people carolyn thank you so much for being here with us tonight how are you doing
1: I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. It is our pleasure. And just like we were discussing before the show, it's been five years since Hannibal aired its final episode. Does it still surprise you, that deep, loyal fan base that the show has created? And do you still have people approaching you on the streets and recognizing you as Dr. Alana Bloom?
1: Yeah, people still come up to me, and it's always so so fun just to talk to people who have seen the show and love the show and um it was such an important part of my life because first of all I got to work with Brian Fuller again mm-hmm. I had done Wonderfalls with him many years before uh Brian had co-created Wonderfalls and he thought about me for Hannibal and Brian is very um He thinks that he has his people, you know, and he loves to um, use them again but make them do something completely different, Mm. which is so amazing because it rarely happens in this business. First of all, when you do something, people only think that you can do that one thing and then they ask you to do that sometimes over and over again. So just to have someone that you love who writes brilliantly, who knows that you can do one thing, but who trusts that you can probably do something completely different. So. That, it really is is truly amazing. Um And so, yeah, I think it was a wonderful show that Brian wrote. He took the books and made them his own, and he would pick and choose parts, and he wouldn't always follow the timeline of the books, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. You know, he was very, like, wildly creative with it.
0: That's, that's absolutely true. Now, the show was recently picked up by Netflix, which I think is great because it's going to, Allow the newer generation to watch Hannibal and get used to it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, of course, when I heard the news, I was thrilled. as you said, I mean everybody
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Netflix so of course, it's a huge window that just opened for the show, and as you probably know, everyone is kind of hoping for another season. Mm-hmm. There have been rumors since we've you know, ended the show. Nothing is actually happening, but there are talks and hopes and all that. So I think, if anything, this could help a lot in that direction.
0: Exactly. You know? Bringing in a newer generation. Like I told you, my my son is watching Hannibal right now. He's in the middle of binging it. Bringing the younger generation into the Hannibal uh, show, I think it's it increases the chances of it possibly coming back. Now, were yeah. you familiar with the Hannibal Lecter storyline when you took on the role of Dr. Alana Bloom?
1: Well, I had seen Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal, I think, um, but I hadn't read the book, so I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't um, know it profoundly. Okay, you
0: know? okay. Yeah. Uh, now how did you end up getting the role? Now you said Brian Fuller. Did, did you even audition or he already knew you and he gave you the part? He offered it to you right off the bat. How did that work out?
1: Like we had done wonderful. I was 25. So maybe 10 years before we started. Um, yeah. Hannibal. Um, and he called me and said, can you read the script? See if you like it. And if you do, there are three female parts in there. Um, what do you think you respond to most? And I said, uh, I think Alana would be really interesting to play. And that's how it all happened.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, that's great. It goes to show what you just said about him just having so much trust in his people to allow yeah. you to read and actually, in a way, kind of pick your own character. Uh,
1: exactly. And also, he was kind of brave to choose me because I know that apparently, that's what people seem to say to me. I look younger than my age, perhaps. hmm which uh, I'm not bragging about. <laughs> it's just uh, in the business, it can be a little complicated because you're ready to play something in your life. You know, whatever you have kids, you have gone through the the mm-hmm. turning passage. But if people still see you as younger, sometimes it can be a little frustrating, or it can be really amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: As age, the more you age, the more you want to be seen as still a little younger than what you can play. So, but to play a shrink. Um, and not just a shrink, I mean, she is amazing in her field and very well respected. She's been around for a long time. And and so he was kind of brave to choose someone who was in her mid-30s. I think it's completely possible. I know people who have, you know, um, been brilliant in their field and who were young, and mm-hmm. so it is possible. But sometimes we have a certain idea of what someone doing this type of work should look like yeah. and feel like. And And so I think he went a bit against what everyone has in mind.
0: And I think that was great. Now, uh, to call Hannibal a dark show would be a huge understatement. How did you feel on taking on the role, uh, reading the scripts, the initial scripts, knowing how dark of a show this was going to be?
1: Um, I remember when I moved to Toronto to shoot the show, I was reading a lot about the FBI and how they all started the behavioral unit in the 80s, and it was quite depressing to read. And when you read only that, the Hannibal books and the scripts that we were shooting, it became quite dark to deal with. And I was alone in Toronto in this little apartment, and I didn't really know anybody. And all of a sudden, I was sure that they were everywhere around me when i was walking on the street you know (laughs) those (laughs) (laughs) words. so at some point i went okay i think i've prepared enough now i'm gonna start reading and seeing other types of movies and just allowing i think the character has sunk in and i'll be fine so um yeah it had dark you know i guess times but also we laughed a lot on the show as you always do when you're shooting and you have these fake dead bodies that you can poke, and you know it's it's a lot of fun as well. I so can but, you know the, the sets that we were most of the time shooting and were quite dark and they had an effect on me on my mood sometimes for sure. yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, to me, when I was watching the show live on NBC, I was really taken back on how graphic some of the scenes were. Not for yeah. cable TV. This is this was on NBC, on primetime, and it was some really dark stuff. Uh, yeah,
1: they do a lot that I never thought that we could get away with for network television.
0: It's quite impressive. It is. It's come a long way. Now, in the book, the Red Dragon book, uh, your character was a man. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a man, Alan Bloom. What do you yeah. think about the idea of switching the character to Alana Bloom and into a female character?
1: I think it was brilliant, and I think uh, Brian was very smart to do that because he didn't, and I remember him telling me this, he didn't want the only female characters to be the victims. Yeah. And I think that would have been a huge mistake. I agree. um, Yeah, I think it was interesting to have a woman um, be the voice who talks to Jack and Hannibal and tries to reason them sometimes, um, you know, telling them over and over again, Will is fragile. Don't let him get too close. And no one listens because they're all obsessed about using this tool that he is, an incredible tool, to find the killers. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I really applaud that decision.
0: It was great. And you were fantastic as Dr. Alana Bloom. I just want to put that out there. Now, how do you think your character uh, felt helping Hannibal institutionalize Will?
1: um heartbroken because she was slowly falling for will she knew she wasn't supposed to and that's what i like about her she's smart she is brilliant in her field but she has this attraction and she knows it's a very bad idea because that's what she does for a living help people and you don't want to be doing that with the person that you love and And it's a very dark relationship that could have, she could have, I mean, been forced to see a lot of dark things with him. And so anyway, yeah, I think she was very confused probably all the time because she was always asking herself, is he the man that I really really think he is because I got really close to him and I really feel that I know him, but everything was messing with her mind because the proof of him doing this and that would come in and And so it was complete confusion all the time. So yes, heartbroken. I remember this scene. I think it's one of my favorite scenes from Hannibal uh, that Hugh and I shot when um, he's in the interrogation room and Jack is watching us. And um, he doesn't know that Jack is watching Mm us and I know. And he talks about his romantic overtures. And it was such a beautiful scene where we couldn't say what we wanted to say to each other. But it was all kind of underneath mm-hmm. what would have been and never will be. It was a beautiful scene.
0: It was a beautiful scene. Now, it's never really clearly explained to us in the TV series, and you sort of kind of touched on it. Uh, some people are split because, like I said, it's not explained. Did uh, Dr. Bloom and Will have a romantic relationship at any point? Uh, you know, f- that we did not get to see on the screen?
1: I I don't think so, but perhaps they, they did. Um, there is that kiss that we see on uh-huh. screen, but she says to him, this is not a good idea. I can't do this. So there may have been a few more romantic overtures on his part, I don't know. But
0: um as far as you sure. know it was never turned into a full like relationship. No. I okay. I don't
1: think so. I was one of those complicated ones that never really took off.
0: <laughs> okay. Well that that helps explain a lot of stuff because we always saw Dr. Bloom as really sticking and finding her work ethics and professional ethics as being very important to her. Now um how did you prepare for that amazing sequence of events in the season 2 finale when everybody finds out the truth, you know, Jack, you you finally realize who Hannibal is. It's an amazing sequence of events from when you walked in on him in the kitchen all the way to the bedroom. How did you mentally prepare for that uh, you know, you know, action sequence?
1: I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't remember. Um, it, it was a long one to shoot because it was a finale. Like it was bits and pieces, and in in the house we would go from one room to the other. And and the the stunt you're talking about that right yeah. when I fall out the window and yeah. Um, well, that was fun to do. Of all the stunts I've done in my life, I think that's the most, one of the most memorable ones because I had to fall from, I don't know, I don't remember the height, but it felt something like 10 feet. Yeah, it was a big fall, and wow. I, I would fall on my back all day. It was a pretty long one. It took a toll on my back, but I was kind of proud at the end.
0: <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was amazing. Uh, I mean, you played a very strong character, Confident yet stubborn. All right. Now, yeah. when the at the end of season two, when the truth is finally revealed, what kind of impact did that have on Dr. Alana Bloom?
1: I'm sorry, I, I was thinking of something while you were talking. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> because you were saying it's great that the younger generation on Netflix will get to know Hannibal. And when people talk to me about Hannibal, usually, um, they were young women and of course my part you know because i play a female uh strong and confident younger women would come to me but i was impressed because it is a horror yes. you know um, tv show and we always think and i wish that i i didn't have this preconception but we always think that Men will react more favorably to horror than women, but it's not mm-mm, the case. Not at all. Yeah. Like 12, 13, 14-year-olds wrote me all the time. I'm not on social media, but, uh, you know, I read their their words um, in, in other ways and or I would meet them on the street. And I was kind of proud that these young women were, were watching Hannibal and really getting it and, and loving um, how smart it was. So what was your question?
0: (laughs) You know, you were a strong, confident, but yet stubborn character when the light bulb finally went on at the end of season two. Now, we know how your character transitioned in in season three, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But what did that impact? What was that impact on Dr. Alana Bloom when she finally realizes that she has been completely duped by Hannibal Lecter?
1: Well, she's been in bed with the devil, mm-hmm. basically. I mean you gotta feel dirty after mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Whoa, I can't imagine the feeling. Um, you probably wanna take a very long shower after hearing that news. Um,
0: but just being just like so confident in your judgment of other people, did that yeah. completely shatter that confidence?
1: Yeah, she probably doubted herself very strongly after that. And probably wanted a big change in her life because she got it all wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and we see that in season three, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Now, uh, the show bringing back the character of Abigail Hobbs uh, shocked the entire audience, including myself. Now, did the cast know right up front that Casey Roll was going to be coming back to reprise her role as Abigail or did they keep you guys in the dark to maintain some level of authenticity?
1: (laughs) I love Ryan to death and I'm going to say this most of the time we had no idea what was coming even sometimes we got the script pretty late so um no most of the time i anyway didn't always know what was coming we did though have amazing conversations with brian when we received the scripts he was very open about our ideas or when we weren't sure about something we could write him and say you know what i think this could be a little different or this would make more sense to me and he most of the time would either say, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll think of something or, or, or use an idea that we had. He His ego, you know, is, isn't too thick that way. He really lets people in.
0: Okay, Be, okay, well, that makes sense. And I think I hear it a lot from different actors on TV shows, the writers and the producers like to keep the other cast members in the dark to maintain like a level of authenticity when the reveal does happen. Uh, now let's go to season three. In season three, we see a whole new uh, Lana Bloom. Uh, Obviously, the events of uh, what happened the previous season deeply impacted you. You grew cold, cynical, and some might even say a little bit evil (laughs) to some of the stuff that you did. Uh, Did it all change for you that night when Abigail pushed you out that window?
1: Probably, yes. Um, It's funny because even the way that she dresses in season three with the suits, it's really almost like Alana's becoming Hannibal in a way, Mm -hmm. or she has that power now over him or trying to anyway. Um, I don't think she ever truly will because he's uh, (laughs) very manipulative. Oh, yeah. but. Yeah, there's something more cynical, I suppose, or where she protects herself more. She let herself be vulnerable before, and now she's protecting herself a lot more. She has this, yeah, this, um, uh, this guard now.
0: Yeah, this emotional blockade, you know, that you know it makes you in the first two seasons. I would say your character is sort of wears your heart on your sleeve. You can tell how you're feeling in season three that completely changes now let's Mm -hmm. touch upon that evil part of you that sort of emerges in season three do you feel the writers took it a little too far with the deal Alana strikes with Mason Verger to see Hannibal you know tortured do you think the writers took it a little bit too far to the dark side with that
1: went too far i think sometimes maybe it's hard to follow because people got so used to a lot on seasons one and two and don't quite understand why because it wasn't really explained you know that shift or we didn't really see her shift it just kind of was um so i think she was still good inside you know she was just trying To put on a show sometimes as well to manipulate Mm and in in order to um bring justice back somehow
0: that's true yeah i could totally see that do you see uh that character transition in your character from season two to three uh do you think that's like a win for hannibal since we see throughout his whole time on the show his main objective is to take his patience And turn him over to the dark side, you know, to, for lack of a better term. And he did that with you, not directly, but indirectly.
1: You're right. She's not a happy ending in any way. Uh, She has gone to the other side a little bit. Um, You know, Hannibal is a bit like an opera. There's something very tragic. Mm Mm-hmm funny and i didn't see the humor as much until we went to la to this tv festival and we saw the last episode of i don't remember what season it was but oh yeah it was hannibal and jack is in the pantry and it yeah, was the end of season two. season 2 and that scene where i have a gun pointed at him and i go where's jack and hannibal says in the pantry the audience laughed so hard like it was the biggest joke of all time
0: i didn't see and i was
1: looking at them and i went i had no idea this was funny
0: uh, i didn't see it as funny
1: (laughs) (laughs) well uh people who love the show and see a lot of television and and see horror sometimes in um a different angle I guess than I do and a lot of people do they see the humor in it they don't take themselves seriously mm-hmm. and Jack being in the pantry was quite funny it is a little funny when you think about well, it Well, the
0: way he says it you know you ask where's Jack and he's and you know Mads response is in the pantry you know yeah. like he could finally you know drop the mask and reveal who oh, yeah. he really is Uh,
1: You're right. It's like The Shining, you know, when his um, head is through the the door door at the end in the bathroom. And yeah, he's having fun. He's finally wild and free and just himself. Exactly.
0: Now, the relationship between Alana and Margot was uh, bizarre. How would you describe (laughs) it?
1: It was bizarre. Um... (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, you end up, I mean, God, uh, you end up being the surrogate for uh, Mason's child. And you and Margot. the last uh, time we see you guys is leaving in a helicopter, uh, running for your lives, you know? And
1: gives birth to a pig baby. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about that for a minute. Oh, That's
0: God. What,
1: yeah. Um, It's a bit, you know, the more I talk to you about this, the more I realize that it's almost like she dipped into a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And she's not really herself anymore. It's like a a nightmare version of her life. Yeah, Um, Yeah, she's just completely in a different world.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah, that relationship and just uh, the interactions between Alana and Margot, were captivating you guys had great chemistry but at the Mm -hmm. same time you're right it was like it was a living nightmare that you are definitely a part of now in a show that's full of complicated characters a character that would definitely need to be put near the top of that list is jillian anderson's dr bedelia she was a tough one to figure out Um, she was hannibal's therapist and lover um. now she knew who he was she knew how dangerous uh, he was you and Jillian did not have a lot of screen time together but what did you make of Jillian's character
1: that is a tough one to answer <laughs> I never really thought about it so I'm going to try to come up with an answer
0: she's, she's just a tough character she's hard to figure out
1: I guess she's a bit like his conscience
0: that's a good way to put it. Yeah,
1: I don't know if she truly exists. Maybe she's something that he dreams of or thinks about. Um,
0: and in a yeah. sh- in a show that is kind of uh, artsy and how it's filmed with the amazing cinematography, maybe she is just a figment of his imagination. Uh, because <laughs> because she does she does partake from what you know they hint in the cannibalism uh she does yes. help him she knows exactly who he is and the way you just described it as her possibly being his conscience makes total sense and you
1: know the thing about hannibal is i never tried to understand anything <laughs> because i never really understood what i was doing or what what we were doing i don't know things evolve in so many directions And I said this to Brian live when we did the reunion the other day. Um, Yeah, and we all laugh about it because I think most of us feel that way. And it's kind of cool because most of the time as an actor, you want to reflect upon your character and why they're making certain choices and where it comes from. But in this case, it was pretty impossible to do. So you just had to let go of any type of control And go with the flow.
0: Do you think that's part of the appeal of Hannibal is the complexity of it? Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: I think people really are thirsty for um, very um, unique minds who dare to write something that doesn't really resemble anything else. That's not a recipe. There's a lot of that out there in television. A lot of recipes. You know, how many times? we do the same kind of cop or hospital show or Mm -hmm. so finally there's someone who goes in all these directions and and is not afraid to do so and is also not afraid to take a chance and risk and sometimes it doesn't exactly pan out or work out and sometimes it's fantastic and brilliant so i think that's what creation is about you have to let yourself um, go in different directions and sometimes know that it won't be spot on, but at least you're doing something where you trust other people to be intelligent and get it, even though it's not all kind of pre chewed and easy to swallow, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, you had amazing on screen chemistry with both Hugh Dancy and Mads, both great actors. I mean, one thing about Hannibal what a great cast! Uh, well, You, yeah. Lawrence, uh, Hugh, Jillian, Matt. I mean, it could go on and on and on. Now, in regards to Mads and Hugh, uh, were their acting methods similar or are they two completely different ways when you had scenes with them? Two different actors, I mean, well, obviously two different actors, but two different methodologies on how they did their craft.
1: No, I think we all kind of worked in the same way. Um, Matt and Hugh had worked together before, and they really got along, and were so happy to be working together, so the atmosphere was quite easy that way. Um, I had never worked with um, Matt before, and I had seen his Danish films. I was such a fan of his, and when I heard that I was going to work with him, I was pinching myself. I could not believe it. And just to see him work and be so passionate He's a bit like a 5-year-old who gets to play every day. You know, that's how he approaches his work, yet he's very serious about it. And what I love about watching him work is that sometimes you see the thoughts go by. That's really hard to do. You can say lines and feel natural and it feels true and live all these emotions, but to see thoughts go by in yeah. someone's eyes And I said that to him once, and he was like, oh, most of the time, I'm just trying to remember what my other line's going to be. But I don't completely believe it, perhaps sometimes, as we all were. But, um, yeah, he's just fascinating to watch and and be around because he's really happy to be working.
0: Uh, Is there anybody on the set who, from the moment they came on till it was time to go home, never broke character? No. Okay, okay. That's
1: really rare. Like, we, we like to talk about that type of actor, but I've rarely met them.
0: Okay.
1: once. Um, the only thing I could think about is someone who doesn't break their accent that they're using for a show mm-hmm. because it's really hard to go from your accent to another accent. And then back. And have one of, not one of them, but your character's accent be um, a little broken up. So that's pretty much what I've seen. But sometimes I guess it happens and you don't notice it. Someone will be
0: a little more on the
1: edge because their character is, is angry that day or that happens. Sometimes you bring your character home a little bit just because you had a really emotional day at work where you were crying all day and you feel a little numb after. But sometimes a big day of emotional emotional scenes when they went well give you a big high because you feel proud and, and And all these emotions came out, and it's a bit like a catharsis. So it depends, really, on what you're shooting and if you're loving the people that you're working with, if you feel creatively satisfied.
0: Now, in your opinion, uh, is the character of Hannibal capable of love? And if so, was he in love, not in a romantic way, but was he in love with Will or just fascinated, obsessed with him?
1: I think it started with fascination, and by the end of season three, the very last scene where they jump off the cliff, to me, was an answer to that question. He was totally in love with him, (laughs) clearly.
0: Probably one of the best bromances on TV.
1: Yeah, exactly, because nothing was said. It was, like, you have the tone and the undertone, and the under, under, like, they were way, way in the depths of, of the bromance, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't quite see it coming for some reason. I guess it was quite clear when you think about it. Um, Yeah.
0: So which one of your fellow castmates that you got to work with on Hannibal, were you, like, really impressed with their work ethic? Like, really, like, wow, you know, they they know how to do their, their shit.
1: I guess both Hugh and Mass in the same way. Uh, They also are, or seem to be, actors who aren't too hard on themselves when, because you see, you know, sometimes a take is better than the other one. And sometimes people beat themselves over the head with how, what they would prefer to be doing. And So I saw them go through all sorts of situations and I really felt like they trusted themselves and felt confident And that, I think, is beautiful. Um, Yeah, they have very, as I was saying, very similar ways of working, I
0: find, so. I mean, mean, the role of Hannibal Lecter was really brought to life by Anthony Hopkins in the movies, okay? And I know personally for myself, when I found out that they were making a TV show with Hannibal, I'm like, I can't see anybody playing the role of Hannibal, Besides anthony uh but Mads quickly squashed that he yeah. was absolutely amazing um and I mean, do you give credit for, to Brian to for like just seeing that in Mads and picking him for the role?
1: completely, I think uh, we can give Brian credit for the writing also which was quite different than um, what Anthony Hopkins had to had to say and play. But yeah, it was a lot of pressure probably for everybody. And yeah, I think Maz knew not to try to imitate or try to break something um, too harshly. He just did what he felt was right, I suppose. and when you're playing a villain if you really... Go too far with it—that's when it's not as interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like Hannibal, I mean, you have to let the words speak for themselves. I think so. He played him in a very subtle way, and he was just a very smart and complicated and evil man.
0: Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the great Lawrence Fishburne. Okay, uh, he's legendary. <laughs> what can you? What more can you say about him? What were your feelings? Uh, was this the first time you got to work with Lawrence?
1: It was, and I was a huge fan of his as well, and I don't think I ever got over the fact that I was working with him during the three years, you know. I remember once we were flying, I don't know where to, but I was sitting next to him on the airplane, and we were just having a a conversation as colleagues do, and, and still then I was thinking, What? I'm having a conversation on a plane with Lawrence Fish? How is that even possible? And he was just so simple and and truly interested in what I had to say. And so it was, yeah, it was a beautiful experience to be able to work with him. And we had really cool scenes where we would butt heads. And I felt really privileged to have these scenes to play with him.
0: You two had great scenes. You're right. You two did butt heads. You Uh, you were not shy of letting him know exactly your opinion in how he was treating Will on the show. And that's what made your guys' chemistry on the screen really awesome. Uh, You know, two great actors seeing him do their thing was just, it was just phenomenal. Did you notice any cast members like, you know, going to Lawrence for advice or studying him in any way? Uh, You know, just because.
1: When you work with someone that you admire, most of the time you just try to do your own thing and do your best and just be an equal to them the way in any way that you can. Um, I don't remember that happening.
0: Okay, okay, that's cool. Now, uh, who was the person that kept the show light? in between takes So uh, who was like the jokester if there was a jokester somebody who really or a group of people that kept uh, the the set light in in such a dark show
1: well there was that trio with scott thompson
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know the three in the lab and they were um the comic relief of the show so of course the jokes were flying there um who else was... I don't know that there was one funny that stood out, really. I, I think everyone had their sense of humor. Yeah, I'm not... I don't have
0: them Did you guys sense, like, the importance of, like, in between takes? Okay, this is such a serious and dark show. We got to, you know... We have a job to do, but in between these takes, you know, let's keep things light. You know, not get too too serious about ourselves and our, and the jobs that we have to do.
1: Yeah. Well, some days that's what happens. Other days you're a little more concentrated and focused. It depends on what you have to play. But yeah, I mean, when we had the dinner scenes too, we had this amazing food and, and it was, they were fun times as well because Janice Poon who did the, um, I don't know how you call that, but she was, the one who created the menu and the food. And she did such a great job. And just being at that table, I remember those moments were, were awesome. Um, that was yeah. quite
0: elaborate. That was really, really elaborate. Now, from my understanding, um, the reason why, one of the reasons why Hannibal could not continue to a season four was because mm-hmm. there were issues over the rights of the Clarice storyline. Is that accurate?
1: Uh, that's what I was told. Okay. So I guess it is. Yeah. I don't know the end of that story, but I know that Brian, when he was asked recently if there was going to be another season, he said that I think they were, I don't know if they were acquiring the rights or something was moving in that direction. So I guess what was um, problematic when we finished is evolving somewhere. So I guess it was, it was. What happened yeah
0: so let's say you know you get the call it, they got the green light they want to bring it back for netflix are you all in of course <laughs> <laughs> in a heartbeat yes uh, now when you were done shooting three uh were you guys told hey you know what this is it you know it's not for now at least it's not coming back or did they tell you to stand by we really don't know what's going to happen you know
1: it's been so long we probably heard a couple months later i suppose when we were on the air that's most of the time that's what happens because they wait to see what the ratings are and then what the other shows that they have coming are going to be and but I don't remember. Um, it's been really a long
0: time. <laughs> I'll tell you what, with it now being on Netflix, I really, I'm I'm, I'm I'm, hoping once I saw it on Netflix, I'm like, all right, this is definitely something Netflix could get behind and have it be a huge show for them. So I'm hoping, we'll see. Now, yeah. you, you mentioned how season three ended. Uh, Will and uh, Hannibal going over the cliff, literally, Do you like how they left the storyline, how they sort of wrapped it? If it was the last episode, it gave people some closure that they're dead or that if it does continue, they can both be brought back. Do you like how they did that?
1: Yeah, well, it goes with the rest of the show. You never knew if someone was really dead on Hannibal because if Ryan wanted them to come back, he found a way and it would fit into that operatic, crazy world that he built. So when I saw the two jump off the cliff, I thought, Oh, how are they going to come back? But it could very well be something someone imagined or something that actually happens. And then we're in a different
0: world or. Yeah. I mean, just because they went over the cliff, that's all we see. That can doesn't mean they're dead. So that's why I personally, I liked it because if there is no season four, it never happens. It's a great way to end the storyline if they do decide to go to season four, you can definitely bring them both back. Uh, now let's talk about Mary Kills People, okay your yes. star your starring role uh, on the Canadian show that was picked up by Lifetime here in the US. What was your initial reaction to taking on the lead role of an angel of death series?
1: Well, I was very impressed with Tara Armstrong's script when I read the pilot. It was her very first show. She was so young, and she was bold enough to write about death Mm -hmm. and to make it something that wasn't a big, fat drama. She had a lot of humor. It was also a thriller at times. It had its um, sexy bits. and So I really liked the tone of the show. I had fun as an actress because I got to go from dramatic scenes to funny scenes to sexy ones. And that's really what you want as an actor, mm-hmm. you know, being able to play in all these fields and, and have fun. Yeah. And so, yeah. And to be, of course, um, there every day and really get a feel of, 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 your crew that you're working with and your cast and building a family is always a beautiful feeling. And to really dive into a character big time, you know, because sometimes when you're there once in a, in a while, you, it feels like you have to um, rebuild every time. Mm-hmm. But when you're there every day, you're just back in your slippers.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, in Mary Kills People, you play a doctor again. Totally different type of doctor. Yeah. Um uh, Were there any similarities that you maybe drew on from Alana's character into Mary Harris's character? Or did you completely separate those two in your mind?
1: I never even thought of Alana when I played Mary. No, they were such different storylines and shows and characters. Yeah.
0: Now, one of the things that I found interesting about the show, Mary Kills People, is, again, it's about assisted suicide. It's illegal, where you guys are doing it, uh, why the need to have your partner record people giving their consent? Did Mary feel like if they got caught, this is my get-out-of-jail-free card, even though it won't make a difference?
1: I think it was, even though they weren't legally allowed to be doing what they were doing, had they been caught, they would have had consent, at least. And I don't know if that's worth anything in court, but at least they had that, I suppose. I think that's why they did it.
0: The way I could see it is maybe bringing down a murder charge to manslaughter. But how many people did you say you killed in that confessional? Like 49 over the past 24 years? Was that how many?
1: Something like that, yeah. Wow,
0: wow. Now, the show consists of three six-episode seasons which was very well received by the fans and critics. Were you surprised that it did not go beyond season three?
1: No, because we knew while we were making season three, and it's interesting because you were mentioning Hannibal, did we know? We didn't know, but uh, Mary, we did know. And so they got to really wrap up the story the way they wanted to end it. And we got closure, you know, for the story, but also amongst... Us creators, your know, colleagues, exactly. we knew exactly. that it was going to be over. And it's a very satisfying feeling to be, it's an empowering feeling because you're not being told, okay, it's over now. And you're like, oh, well, how did, because sometimes it feels like you can only keep a promise on your end, but the other end doesn't have to, yeah, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, um, yeah it was satisfying that way and I think the writers knew that they had written the show that they wanted to write and that they were ready after that to move on to something else and I think that's a wise decision because sometimes when shows drag on and on I feel like the better portion of the show was you know usually the first couple of years and after that sometimes the show remains really interesting and good but I find that usually the char- the characters have all dated each other and and you kind of get sick of, of the show sometimes, and you want to watch something new and exactly. different. And also, as an actor, after three years of playing the same part, most of the time, I think you're ready to dive into something else and try something new. Yeah. So,
0: it's uh, perfect. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And that's how it goes. It reaches its peak, then after so many seasons, the viewership does start to go down. Now, Something interesting happened with you in Mary Kills People. You went from starring to also becoming an executive producer on the show. Uh, What was that like being uh, the executive producer on a show that you were starring in?
1: It's a very symbolic title, I think. (laughs) You know, the, the difference on that show for me was that I felt... Like, I could really participate when I read the scripts. And I did write to Brian before, but it was a different kind of um, participation. And I could write, um, you know, when I read the scripts, Tara or the other writers and and really kind of get into the structure sometimes or the, I don't know, the the details of the scenes and really speak my mind. So I think that was more of uh, what this title meant for for my participation
0: moving moving forward in your career is producing something you want to look more into
1: perhaps yes I don't really know what's ahead of me right I just did a French Canadian TV show and I'm back now with um, reading scripts and not really knowing what's ahead And I've been thinking about that lately. I don't have an idea yet, but I would love to start a project from scratch and maybe find something that I wanna play. I've always been shy that way because you don't really have control over what you're gonna play. So I I rarely feel allowed to dream about something very specific. Um, It's a question that really comes back Almost every time I do inter- an interview is what kind of role do you want to play next? What have you always um, dreamt of playing? And I never really know what to say because yeah. I don't let myself go there. Yeah. So I would like to let myself go there and imagine something and see if I can make it happen, perhaps. We'll see.
0: That sounds great. Now, season three of merry Kills People has not been released to us here in the U.S., um, Do you know why are we ever going to get to see season three of Barry Kills People here in the United States?
1: Uh, I don't know. I guess, you know, Lifetime decided to go uh, separate ways, and I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't have an answer, unfortunately.
0: Well, hopefully one day it will be released, at least on, you know, a streaming service or video on demand. Uh, Are there
1: episodes on YouTube?
0: Uh, no, not full ones. No, no. And it's not, you know, we have, there's so many streaming options these days where you can buy seasons or episodes and I've looked far and wide and season three is literally not available anywhere. Oh,
1: that's, yeah, it's a
0: bummer. It really is a bummer. Now, uh, in the little bit of time that we have left, you were in one of the most, in my opinion, underrated horror movies in the last 20 years and that's Devil okay, Uh, starring uh, Chris Messina and Logan Marshall Green. It was loved by fans, critics, everyone. Highly underrated, in my opinion. As a fan, what did you think of that movie?
1: My God, it's been so long. Um, It's been 10
0: years. Yeah, 10 years.
1: Exactly. So my memory is is failing me right now. And I had a very small part in that movie. Yeah,
0: you played the coroner. Uh, but basically the idea of people being trapped in an elevator and they've all committed prior sins and the devil comes in and infiltrates them. There's every, every attempt they make to try to escape is blocked, thwarted. Uh, I mean, how did you get the role? Uh, even though it was a small role as the coroner, how did that come Mm -hmm. across your way?
1: I auditioned for it. I remember I taped from my house in Montreal and they received it, and that's how it happened. Um, but as I was hearing you describe the elevator, it, it struck me it's like the opposite of heaven. You know, it's like they're supposed to be going up mm-hmm. and be judged for their sins, but it's the devil doing the work instead of the positive force that one hopes for.
0: Exactly.
1: So it's an interesting metaphor.
0: <laughs> now, you've been in the entertainment industry since you like were like eight years old. I think your first gig was like doing a voiceover when you were eight. Uh, was it you just being a natural performer or was it something that your parents uh, just influenced you to try out?
1: Well, both my parents are actors. Okay. So that's how it all started. Um, My dad did a lot of dubbing. He still does. So he uh, translates as an actor, American movies most of the time into French. And so they were looking at the time for kids to play the kids. And so I started dubbing. And eventually I joined my parents agency for on camera stuff. And when I was 11, I did my first TV show and film short after. And that's when I really fell in love with my job. And so I can't really say that my parents pushed me into it. I don't think that I would have asked to do it um, when I was eight, the dubbing. But after that, I was certainly the one saying I want to do more. And if you, because my parents were saying, you know, you're starting high school, we have to be careful so that you you really put your your studies first. And I remember saying to my mom, I wasn't serious, but I said to her, if you don't let me work as an actress, I'm going to run away from home. <laughs> and then she laughed and she said, okay, you, tru- you truly want to do this, we're going to make it happen. And it was perfect because I got to go to high school and I wasn't taken away from school, I didn't do any anything from home, but I did skip a lot of days and I would get help from the teachers, but I still had a life at school, which I think is so important for teenagers. Mm-hmm. My group of friends... The 14 of us, we did everything together. And so I don't feel like I missed out on anything. I feel like I had two lives that really functioned well together because I was good at school and I was working really hard to be good at school and to be good at work, and and everything came together. But I remember at some point I was very tired and I had to take some time off when I finished high school and just take a breather, and I decided to not study to become an actress since i was already working Mm -hmm. and was moving to new york and meeting a wonderful agent who is still my agent by the way we've been working together for 20 years now and so yeah it was a different path and it was an awesome path and i would never change it for the world
0: oh that is such a great story uh final question um In a profession that you have to deal with so much rejection, what would you say was your biggest break?
1: It's funny. I don't feel like I ever had a big break. It was always a slow and steady climb. I never had the one part that really kind of... So, which is great since I started young because... I wasn't all of a sudden put in a very different position and situation. Really? I got used to everything at a slow pace. I guess Wonder Falls was a big um, change because I had never done comedy. All of a sudden, I was the star of an American show. Um, it's a lot of pressure. I was so tired, but you know, doing my best to <laughs> survive the TV schedules. and And so that was a big shift for me then. Unfortunately, the show was canceled after four episodes, and then it was picked up again
0: by different networks and all that.
1: But um, I guess that was a big um, a big break in a way. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Now, I know. that was the last question. Did Hannibal change your life at all? Uh, just the popularity of it, like before Hannibal, after Hannibal, did you notice a difference? I don't
1: know that it changed my life, but it did. I guess people. In the business, know my work a little bit more, especially in America and the rest of Canada. So, yeah, I guess for Mary Kills people, had I not done Hannibal, maybe they wouldn't have been so um, convinced to hire me Mm -hmm. right off. I, I don't know. So I guess it gave people trust in my work for Sure, really? because it was a very well respected show,
0: it, yeah. It was great, and you were great. and Caroline, we are out of time. Uh, can't believe this hour just flew by like that. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here thank with you. us.
1: It was fun, and hello to everybody. Hello, thank you
0: they, they love you, hearts are going up. Uh, it has been my honor to talk to you for this last hour, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. On different projects and maybe even on Hannibal again. We shall wait and see. Uh, guys, stay safe. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. And until then, stay walking. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, John.